Welcome to the Present in the Pain podcast, a weekly show that looks at the experience of pregnancy and child loss through the lens of the Catholic faith. I'm your host, Eileen Tully. This is the Present in the Pain podcast, and I'm Eileen Tully. And today I am recording from my front yard, so there might be some crickets and some some noise out here, but it's just such a beautiful evening in New Hampshire right now that I thought I would bring my microphone outside and record out here. But we'll be finishing up today our series on the complexity of grief, and we started by talking about what it looks like to grieve with hope and what... Um, how understanding what grief entails is helpful in maintaining our hope and recognizing that what we're going through is normal. So then the next topic we talked about was understanding what is normal in grief. And then we talked with, I got to talk with uh, Laura Nicola, a therapist about grief and trauma and how it's just, it's a lifelong process healing from these things. Last week, we talked about secondary losses and how those can complicate our grieving experience. And today, as our final uh, episode in the series, we're going to discuss the changes that happen in our relationships when we're grieving. And these can be related to those secondary losses because sometimes what happens, in fact, frequently what happens is that some of our relationships are broken unfortunately, in the process, and we have to grieve the loss of them. And it can just complicate things by just adding to our pain. So there are three categories of relationship changes that I thought I would talk about today. The first one is a change in our relationship with ourselves. The second one is a change in our relationship with God. And the third one is a change in our relationship with other people. So let's start by talking about what happens with our relationship with ourselves when we're grieving. Because we we mentioned a couple weeks ago that there are so many different emotions that we're experiencing when we're grieving. And they all come at once. It's not like they come in a neat linear progression and we can know, oh, I'm just going to finish this one up and then I'll be moving on to the next one. They come as a jumble and it can be so hard to hold space for all of those feelings, all of those emotions at one time and included in there may be some emotions that we're not used to feeling on a regular basis, like feeling even foggy or short-tempered or angry. Those kinds of things can make us behave in ways that are outside the ordinary for ourselves. And it's very hard to be gentle with ourselves in the grieving process and to just acknowledge that this this thing we're feeling is just for a short time. It's because of the grief. And we sort of start to think, who am I? Like, why am I re- reacting this way? Why am I talking to my children or my spouse or people I love in this way? And it can feel really upsetting. We we almost don't recognize ourselves. And then that can be very off-putting because we don't feel comfortable with ourselves. We don't feel like we're able to handle things the way we usually do. It feels, everything just feels so exhausting and heavy and like just trudging through deep, I don't know, mud, just trying to get 
you know, trying to get through it is so difficult. And sometimes it can leave us just feeling like we don't even recognize ourselves. But I would just encourage you, if that's what your experience has been, that, like I said earlier, you just need to be very gentle with yourself. Treat yourself like like you're someone who's grieving. And you give yourself a lot of space. You give yourself a lot of understanding. You give yourself the acknowledgement that this is part of the grieving process and that it won't always be this way. The other thing that it's important to recognize is that grief by necessity causes us to be a little bit selfish and that can feel outside the ordinary for us, especially if we're a parent or we're just generally a person who is giving and serving other people. Having to take the time to say no for things or to just shut down a couple of those those avenues where we are the givers in a relationship and have to take care of ourselves for a little while, that is that can feel very foreign and it can even feel selfish and sinful in in a bad way but but really we do need to be a little bit selfish like that as we figure out how to navigate this brand new experience this this woundedness that needs to be healed and we we really don't honestly even know what we need to do it so Sometimes we need to take a break from some ways that we're serving other people or at least cut cut way back on them. And that can feel really foreign to us, if, especially if we're just busy and, and active in helping and serving others. The second way that we might be experiencing a change of relationship is in our relationship with God. And after we've lost our child, even if I had... A relationship with God that was lifelong. I can remember praying with my mom in the car. I, we were, I think my parents were probably planning to leave the Catholic Church at that point, but I can remember her asking me if I wanted Jesus to be my Savior. I think I was five years old. And I can vividly remember sitting in the car and praying with her. And and my relationship with him started then and it never stopped. I don't, I, I don't think, I think it just sort of became official then because I just felt like I have always had a relationship with him. I always recognized that he was with me, that he was, that I had a need for him. But when my children died, I, I didn't lose that relationship with him. It just changed. And I felt like I didn't know how to relate to him anymore. It disappointed me so much that the thing that we had prayed for, this healing and this miraculous recovery for our daughters didn't happen. And I, w- and I knew other people for whom it did happen. And um, I, just, I was just left wondering not only why was it that we didn't get this healing, but also what am I supposed to say to you now? Like my prayer time just became very stagnant and I didn't know what to say. Not only because as I stilled myself to be quiet and even think about praying, I just, my mind would start racing and I would start crying and it it would just be a hard time to physically 
and mentally settle myself down to pray. But then even if I got there, what was I, what was I going to say? You know, I, cu- I couldn't, I felt like I, I didn't really know what to ask him for. He had already said no to the hugest thing I had ever asked him for in my whole life. So what am I going to say to you now? What am I, I'm not going to pray for anything smaller than that, right? Because, you know, you had just, I just poured out my heart and soul begging for this one thing and you didn't give it to me. So am I going to ask you to help with anything else? No, I just felt like, just do what you want to do. Like, just, you're going to do what you want to do and just help me to be able to get through it. Help me to be able to endure it. So I know that was not, that was not the right attitude to have, but it was, I couldn't muster anything else. Uh, I, I just didn't have, I didn't have the courage or the faith to make any requests of him because I felt like I had already done so in such a huge way. And when it didn't happen, I really, I really lost faith, I guess, or I lost my trust in him that he was on my side, that he wanted my good. And so I didn't know how to relate to him in that way. And and I felt like things just dried up, really, because I just felt like I know you, I know you're there and you have a plan for this. I don't understand it, but I... I also don't really know what to say to you right now. And so if you're feeling like that, I would just encourage you to pray the rosary or pray something that that you don't... I was a Protestant, so I felt like I had to come up with a prayer. And it is important to have these sort of dialogue prayers with God where we can just use our own words and talk to Him in that way. But from my upbringing as a Protestant, I felt like that was the only way that there was to pray, and anything other than that was insincere. And so I gradually just started feeling this prompting to pray the rosary, which was outside of my comfort zone, but I just felt the nudge, and so I started doing it. And over time, that prayer just came to be very calming. The repetitiveness of it was very therapeutic, I think, for me. And then I I didn't have to think about what to say to God. And my relationship with him started to grow again over time. But just like the the first change that we discussed with ourselves, our relationship with God might look different for a while. Sometimes it might be those times when we come to him and we're crying and that's all we have. And he just wants us to give it to him, right? Just give him those tears. That can be our prayer, and that's okay. You can open up the Psalms and read the Psalms where the psalmist says, like, how long are you going to hide your face from me? Or I have followed you since my youth, and you turned away from me. You know, the, the psalmist is just so honest with God about what he's feeling. And so it doesn't it doesn't hurt to just open them up and find a psalm that relates to your own feelings and read that as your prayer. How long am I going to be weeping on my pillow morning and night? Those kinds of prayers can be become our own as we read through them. And then we don't have to, we can just pour them out to God as an offering. Like, I don't get why you're doing this. I don't understand why you would let this happen. But I'm going to read this psalm. I'm going to come to you and pray anyway. 
And I promise that it won't always be that difficult to come to him in prayer. Do you feel distanced from God since the death of your child? Do you wish that there was someone you could talk to who understood the pain of this unique kind of loss? The Present in the Pain community is an online group of Catholic women who have experienced pregnancy and child loss. Come and find the support and understanding that you need to heal. Visit EileenTully.com and click on Community. And our relationship with him will eventually not only get back to normal, but ideally it will even be stronger than it was before our loss. This third kind of change in relationships has to do with other people. And I think this is the hardest one for us to deal with. First of all, when we think about our relationship with our spouse, this can be sometimes an experience like this strengthens your bond with one another, but sometimes it can really make it much more difficult. And as I mentioned in the first point, grief necessitates a kind of selfishness as you try to figure this out for yourself and figure out what you need. And when you consider that your spouse is also doing the same thing, it can be sometimes what you need is asynchronous, right? Like he might need to be around people and you might need to be alone or the other way around. Um, he might need to get back to work because that's where he feels like I can do something to fix this. And you might see that and think, are you over it already? How are you already working again? I mean, that's what happened with us. And of course, he wasn't over it already. It was just that he felt so helpless that he wanted to go back to a place where he was not helpless, where he could actually do something and get things done and accomplish something. Um, and fix problems. So I, I know there was a lot of misunderstanding, even though ultimately our loss did, I think, pull us closer together, my husband and I. Um, there was a lot of confusion at the beginning as I felt like, how are you not as affected by this as I am? But we grieve in different ways. And it looks, what we need to heal is different and so um, it, can, it, it can feel difficult to not be able to relate to each other in that way. But then there are other people outside of your family and, or outside of your own immediate family, your spouse and your children. And those are the people that I think really pose the biggest problem in the aftermath of a loss. And let's take a, a couple minutes and talk about why that might be. To begin with, I think our society really is bad at accompanying people in suffering. It's just not comfortable. And I touched on this a little bit with Lauren um, in in our um, in my interview with a therapist when she was saying that people are ready for us to be over our grieving. It's really it's it's because they're uncomfortable with it a lot of times. That is why they want us to be over our grieving. And grieving takes so much longer than we think it will. And it's not an obvious 
wounding, right? It's not like we have a broken leg or a broken arm or like this big gash or cut or something. We didn't have surgery. There's not like a physical proof to accompany our woundedness. It's all internal. And so people are not comfortable just sitting with us in our brokenness and in our grief. And I think that's why in Romans, when St. Paul is... When St. Paul is telling people how to love one another, he starts in Romans 12 by saying, Therefore I urge you, brothers, on account of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And then he goes on to spell out different ways that you can do this. Don't consider yourself more highly than you ought. Um, not all of, of the members of the body have the same function. So we're one body and many parts. We have different gifts and we should accept and love each other and, you know, with all our different gifts and recognize that they're all different ways that God has gifted us. And then he goes on to say, um, rejoice with those who rejoice. This is Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And I think that second one is the one that we really have a hard time with, or at least that was my experience, that people are not comfortable sitting with us in our pain. And I don't think that they intend to be hurtful in that fact, but it does end up being hurtful sometimes to us as they... You might have friends who just just disappeared. I had a friend that I would go out regularly with, and we would email and call, and then she just disappeared. Like when, when we started going through, um, I had bed rest and all those things beforehand. She was gone. I, I think that she didn't have the capacity to handle it. Uh, I had family members who... I had an unhealthy relationship with even before our loss. And and I think you find, too, that those relationships that are unhealthy, that are a little bit more give than take, when you have to put the limits on your giving, those relationships change dramatically. And then sometimes you have to just say, I can't. I can't anymore. I can't, I can't give to you anymore what you need because you just we have this take relationship where I give and you take and I I don't have the ability to do that anymore. And so sometimes the relationship changes dramatically. Sometimes we have to cut it off for a little while. And sometimes we have to cut it off for a long time because we realize that if this person is not going to be, it's not going to recognize our need at our greatest moment of need and they're going to still want to have a taking relationship, then really that's we kind of lose our capacity for those kinds of relationships going forward. And then, But then the other way you might find relationships change is that people that were strangers to you will sometimes step up and fill in those gaps and offer to bring meals and help you. I had this one wonderful neighbor. Her name was Dina. And when I was on bed rest for eight weeks with one baby had died and I was, you know, praying and hoping that the other baby would live, um, she came over. I had three little boys at home, ages three and under. 
and every day, every, I think it was Tuesday, some things, Tuesday night maybe, she would come and say, it's Dina, and I would be up in my bed, and she would take the basket of the boys' dirty laundry that I would have left outside the door, and then Wednesday morning on her way to work, she would have washed it and dried it and folded it and drop it off for me. And I, I mean, she was a mom that I knew in passing from a a mom's group of, of preschoolers that that we belonged to together, but I wouldn't have said she was a super duper friend before that. But my goodness, did she meet a need that I had and become a dear friend to me because of that. So some of the relationships that we have that change can change for the better. But the ones that I think are the most painful and the ones that are adding to those secondary losses for us are those ones where people disappear or people are unable to recognize that we need to take some time for ourselves. We need to say no to some things now. We need to heal and it lasts longer than they might think it does. And so in our saying no, in our setting that boundary, that that good boundary so that we can do our own healing and take as long as we need to do so, they don't have the capacity for that limit that you're setting. And sometimes that relationship breaks. And sometimes those relationships are with close people to you. And that pain or the pain even going forward of now it's the holiday and I don't see them. Now it's uh, a birthday and I don't see them anymore. All of that can be fresh pain and it's not even directly related to losing your child. So it can really catch us off guard when we're not expecting it as a fresh wounding like those secondary losses that we talked about last week. So if you are experiencing some changes in your relationships after your grieving or in your grieving, please know that that is normal. And I would invite you to come to join the Present in the Pain community. I will put the link for it down below. But it is a, a place that's growing slowly for women who have experienced loss. It is a place to find understanding. It's a place to talk about these kinds of things, the changes that you experienced. It's a place to find support and other people who can say, yes, I had that happen too. It's a place where you can share your story with other people and know that you're understood and supported. So please come and join our community and feel free to talk about this podcast or any of the other episodes in this Grief is Complex series. After this week, I'll be taking a short break as our family has a little vacation, and then I'll be back at the end of August with a series on Our Lady of Sorrows. The month of September is dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows, and I had a special personal encounter with her that led me to begin this ministry. So uh, I'm really excited to share what happened with when I met with her, I don't know if you've seen The Office, but when Pam Beasley is at the Dundee Awards and she says, I feel God in this Chili's tonight. Um, I had <laughs> similar, I like to say that was my my Dundee's experience because as I was reading about Our Lady of Sorrows prompted by the Holy Spirit, I just had made this special connection with her in a Starbucks one night. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, Pam at the Dundies. But 
Anyway, I'm really excited to share that with you and to share her seven sorrows and how she is such a good example and so helpful for grieving mothers. But until then, I'm Eileen Tully, and I'm so thankful that you're here. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please consider hitting subscribe and leaving a review so that other people are better able to find it. Also, if you're interested in becoming a supporter of the show in any amount, it would be helpful for maintaining the podcast hosting and production costs. Thanks for prayerfully considering that.